This is the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from October 9th by Brother Todd Burgess titled Matthew chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. If you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open it to Matthew chapter 5. And we'll be in verses 19 and 20. And I was kind of giving Al Max a little bit of a hard time up in Sunday school class today. He's saying he's preaching my lesson, my, my message this morning about selfishness and, and selflessness. And then started talking about anger, and that's, that's two weeks from now. And so, you know, I might just record what he's saying to kind of replay it to you guys. And so, uh, but, uh, but no, it's good to, I just love the way Holy Spirit just works things out, works things together. And, uh, but one thing we got, we got to be very clear about. And the, and, the, and the question that this, that this message asks is this. What kind of follower of Christ are you? Now understand, Jesus is talking to his disciples up on the mountain. He may have a few other followers there, but they're believers. But for the most part, that's who he's talking to. He's not talking to the masses. And so that really plays a big part in how everything is to be interpreted during the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking to his disciples, believers, okay? They may not fully understand all who Jesus is, what he came to do, but they do, they are followers of him. And so the question is, are we being faithful in our walk with Christ? And so it boils down to this. You're either a selfish follower of Christ or you are a selfless follower of Christ. And so we, Jesus had talked about already the, all the Beatitudes, the attitudes that we're to have in us that the Holy Spirit of God does inside of life of a Christian. And folks, those attitudes are going to be gone through our entire life. He'll take us to one point, and then he'll move to another attitude, to another one, then he'll come back to the one he just dealt with and take us higher every time. Okay, understand that's the process of sanctification. And those things should be developing in our lives over our lifetime as a child of God. And so we should see those things as they're developing. We should see less, less, less selfishness and more selflessness in our lives. And so as we're going through this and looking at this message this morning, hopefully you'll be able to look back in your life and see more self lessness and less selfishness. I hope I said that right. Okay? That's the point. One should be getting better and the other one should be getting less and less in our lives. But if not, then there's issues we need to deal with as, our, as the Word of God is telling us. And so it tells us, how salty are you? How bright is your light? You know, that's everything Jesus has talked about. And so in verse 19 of Matthew 5, it says, Whoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So the question is, do you want to be least in the kingdom or do you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven? And I'm talking about when Jesus comes and takes us home for all eternity, what do you want to be known for? Okay, and so that's what we're looking at. And so breakers of the law are those selfish individuals. Those are the ones that break the law. See, there are always those who have 
for whatever reasons, they have their own pet peeves in Scripture, and they want to ridicule others for not keeping their traditions and practices. Have you ever known someone like that? And in case you, you raise your hand, you know, sometimes if you don't raise your like this, you're pointing at yourself four or five times, okay? I, I've known in my life where I've, well, you need to be doing this, and well, why should I be doing that when you're not doing that over there? We have a, we have a tendency as Christians to do that, don't we? Want to highlight somebody else's mistakes, or, and according to Scripture, yep, they're wrong in doing that, but yet at the same time, ignore some of our own mistakes that we're doing? See, those, those are those pet peeves that we have as Christians, and we want to hold others accountable. They want, they want to hold on to those, we want to hold on to those traditional views, thinking that that's how God's going to bless his church. Yet nothing could be further from the truth. They're basically doing what the scribes and Pharisees did in Jesus' day in regards to the Sabbath. They, all they looked upon was following the rules of God's word, literally. And then they said, well, it's not just how to, how, what do you got to do to break the Sabbath? Well, well, if you, if you light a fire, if you do this, if you walk so many feet. and It's all man-made rules about this. Instead of the Spirit of God, how the Spirit of God interprets the Sabbath. We find in John 17, 23, Jesus gave an example of their hypocrisy when he asked, if a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision and the law, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry at me because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Otherwise, Jesus had just healed someone on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath. And just in case you let, you let you know, Jesus always healed on the Sabbath day, just as a point of reference to the scribes and Pharisees. But it's always good to do good on the Sabbath. That's what Jesus is saying. It's always right to do good on the Sabbath day. Remember, if you give a cup of water in my name, Jesus said, you'll be blessed. But make sure it's in his name. Make sure God is the one being glorified by the good that's being done, not just me. I'm just not being selfish. I'll, I'll help you out over here. And I'll be remember to everybody what I, what I did. So that's, not, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about selfless, selfless um, actions. See, Jesus makes a distinction between the spirit of the law and the legalistic view of man's interpretation of the law. See, if the scribes and Pharisees, if they understood the heart of the law, they would have known it was always right to do good. Always right to do good. And the same thing's true in the church today. What was the one word we dealt with last Sunday that summarized everything? What was that one word? Remember? And don't feel bad because Al, Al Max always asks those questions and we're all, oh, what was that? I don't know. And also, it's way, but it's love. It's God's love summarizes everything about the scriptures. See, we have to understand when it comes to our own spiritual selfishness, okay? That something's wrong. Because in James 2.10 it says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. We have to understand, even as Christians, folks, we're not meant to keep the whole law of God. It can't be done. We cannot do it. But... If the love of God is in our heart, then we are fulfilling the law. If what we're doing is out of God's love towards someone. And that's the key. 
Matthew twenty two thirty six to 40 says, Master, which is the great of commandments in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. This is the first and great commandment. So love God, the Lord God. Okay? The second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these commandments hang all the law and prophets. So it's God's love that must be in our hearts, must be coming through our lives. Now, it's not man's love. That's hypocritical. But God's love. God's attitudes through the Beatitudes that he is working out in our lives. God being able to, the Holy Spirit in us, being able to make us salt and light to the world. That's the love of God that we're talking about here. See, it's God's indwelling love in us that keeps us from allowing our own traditions, our own self-righteousness, our own selfish views of Scripture from causing disruptions and divisions within the body of Christ. You see, if God's love was flowing through a person, they'd never be involved in, in, in a derision and division within a church. They would say, hey, this is not really that important. Let's obey the, what God's Word says. And they would say, hey, we'll go, with, we'll, go, we'll go the way you want to go. We'll go with purple instead of, instead of gray. You know, it won't make a difference to, that, to the child of God there. Okay? But usually, see, these legalistic believers will always define rules for you to keep. While at the same time, ignoring the ones that they're breaking. That's why the Bible says in Galatians that, that before you go to your brother, make sure that you yourself... Have confessed your sins. Make sure you yourself, otherwise you're going to fall prey to what they're doing. See, in Matthew 7, 3 to 5, it says, Why beholdest thou the mote in the brother's eye, but considerest not the beams in your own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out that mote of your eye, and behold, a beam is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first cast out the beam of your own eye, and then they'll be able to see clearly to cast out the mote in your brother's eye. You see, too often, this is how we do business in churches. It's not based upon the teaching of God's word, but upon our own understanding as we apply God's word in our own lives. And then we expect everybody else to do the same. We can't do that. It's all about the love of God. It's about the love of God in our lives, in our hearts. And see, that's what the, that's what the scribes and Pharisees were doing. And there's many, many in today's Churches that are following this type of hypocritical teaching. That's what our, our passage in 519 says, that they shall break one of the least of these commandments and shall teach men to do the same. Otherwise, all right, if I get more people doing what I'm doing, then all right, I, I won't feel guilty about what I'm doing, even though I know it's not right. But, it, but that's how things happen so often. See, Jesus addresses those who are, who are teaching their hypocrisy to others. And that's in Matthew 23, 23 to 28. And we're going to go through this passage, take a couple verses at a time. It says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe and mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, faith. See what happens when someone is, is operating selfishly? Otherwise, they're not following the, spirit, the direction of the Spirit of God in their own lives. They're not allowing God to build in them those attitudes they're supposed to have. They're not being salt and light like they're supposed to be. Is they, get, they get caught up in all the little details. 
And in doing so, they forget judgment, mercy, and faith. See, the, the, the Pharisees were doing that. They'd go around and, oh, well, they'd go through their cupboards. Well, I got to get tired today. So I got, how much of that? I got to give a tenth of that spice. And I got to give a tenth of this spice over here. Oh, I got to count this. And they add all that up and they go and give it. But then, then they go out and they criticize everybody else. You can't, we can't do that. See, the law is, is not about keeping every precept of God. And folks, there's a lot of precepts in here. But if we have the love of God in our heart, then we will fulfill those precepts without even realizing it. And see, that's the key. That's the key. And we won't have to worry about God's judgment, mercy, and faith being overlooked. See, that's what the Pharisees were doing. If, if they weren't so focused on legalism, they would realize, yeah, that... That man need, need to have his withered hand healed. Praise God that, you, that Jesus, that you did that. You know? See, the first thing to go, I mentioned last Sunday, when, you, when either you're legalistic or driven by emotions, emotions drive us to, adult, to uh, um, idolatry. There you go. All right, all those you know, affairs of the heart kind of thing. Whereas legalism... You know, it takes us the other way. And what's missing is God's love in it all. That's the first thing that's thrown out the door is God's love. And so we have to understand that. Now, as we read on in Matthew 23, we'll pick off where we left off. It says, these ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides that would strain at a net and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, that ye make clean the outside of the cup of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. I like what Christine, Christina did over here. I mean, how many of us would, would, would serve a mix things up using dirty dishes? You don't do it. You wash them. You clean them out, but yet... Isn't that what we do in our own lives? We look at everybody else's life and say, well, you're doing this and you're doing that. And, well, you shouldn't be doing that. I'm showing verse where you're not supposed to be doing those kind of things. When the truth is, we don't look at our own heart and what the Holy Spirit for maybe years has been convicting us about. And we're just doing that. What's one of the biggest things in churches today? Sin-wise, a lot of it's pornography and a lot of these other things that are out there. And guys, I'm telling you. Well, even now, it's getting more even with ladies. Yeah, it's secret. Nobody knows about it because it's at home or whatever it is. But yet, we'll come back and we'll say, well, we got to do all these things. But yet, in inwardly, we're not living right. We're not living right. So Jesus wants us to take care of the inside first, and then the outside will be taken care of. You wash the inside of that pot, I guarantee you, when you get done, the outside will be clean. It's the way it works. See, too often we teach doctrines to, that we need to adhere to while we ignore or belittle those doctrines that we're guilty of. And usually love. Because you know what? If you're loving your neighbor like you're supposed to, you won't do anything to hurt your neighbor. If you're loving your spouse like you're supposed to, you're not going to be doing any actions that will hurt your spouse. If you're loving people at work like you're supposed to, you're not going to do anything that's going to hurt those people. We're not going to do those things. But 
If you don't love them the way you're supposed to, that means you love yourself more and, and all you're doing is satisfying yourself because you love yourself more. And that's what this is showing. It shows a selfishness, a love of self more than a love toward God. And there are so many today that are in that area, in that category. Verse 27 of our text in Matthew 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for, for ye are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead man's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outward, outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Basically what they did back in Jesus' day, they'd go around to all the, all the, all the t- t- stones, the tombs, and they'd whitewash them, you know, paint them white so everyone could see them. Because so, if you stepped on a, on, on a tomb, oh, you're unclean. Really? Not really. But they'd whitewash them. Oh, i got to go around that. I don't want to step on it and become unclean. That, that, that's the legalism that was going on. When the truth is, it's what's in the heart. It's what's in the heart. And so legalism, what it does, it leads people to focus on outward appearances instead of what's in the heart. God sees what's in the heart. That's why God chose David over all of his brothers, because he saw what he saw what's in the heart. And so the question is, why do people teach these kind of things? Why do people do that? It's because they believe that one's relationship with God is dependent on their ability to fulfill the law, to keep God's law. Even as Christians, we do this. We know better, but we do it anyway. You know? How many times has someone been sick and said, oh, God must have done something with that? He must, they must have some kind of sin in their life. You know, they're having financial problems. Oh, they must have done something wrong. We do it anyway, don't we? Now, I know that I, many times if something happens with me, I say, oh, Lord, is, is there something I've done? We need, to, we need to do that self-examination because sometimes truth. God brings things to help wake us up to areas that maybe we're overlooking. But we shouldn't assume that for, on others because what it does, it makes people blind to their own prejudices. Good, good, good lesson today uh, with, with Jonah upstairs. I, I said, I'm actually teaching my, my, preaching my message here, but, you know, Jonah... God revealed Jonah's prejudice to the point that, I mean, he couldn't deny it. And so there's areas in your life that are not right. God's going to bring, he's going to highlight those areas to you through circumstances that come up in your life. And either you can rebel against it or you can surrender to God's truth and say, all right, Lord, you need to help me over this. Okay? You need to help me through all these things. See, our text again, Matthew 5, 19 says, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these commandments, shall teach men to do so, he shall be called least. Do you want to be known as least in the kingdom? We're talking about when we go to heaven. Some of you up there will have crowns that reveal their faithfulness, their obedience. Others will have none. Because they're least in the kingdom, and they'll be that way all through eternity. Paul said to the Galatians in 3, 1 to 3, he says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been 
evidently set forth, crucified among you. Now listen to this verse. This only what I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. How are we, as, as a Christian, did, were you saved by what? What the Bible said? No, it pointed to Jesus. You're saved through what Jesus did and the giving of, his Holy, of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so why do you think you have to work out your own, th- own situations and your own interpretations? Let the Holy Spirit have control. And he will teach you. See, it's not up for anybody else that there's, well, you should, you're a new Christian now. We need to do this, this, this. No, we, we don't need to do that. But yet churches are real bad at doing that. You need to say, all right, we're going to be praying that the Holy Spirit will show you what areas you need to get rid of. And he'll, 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 he'll do that. And that's how we need to respond in our own lives. You see, we act foolishly. See, a church's instability and strife and divisions are all due to, ple- to believers doing things according to the flesh. That means acting selfishly instead of according to the Spirit, which is selflessness. Galatians 2, 20 21 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's how we're to live our life as Christians, by faith. And where does that faith come from? The love that God showed us by sending his own son to die on a cross for our sin. That faith was bought by the love of God. And we need to live by allowing that love of God in us flow outwardly. That's how we're to live. And we read on in that verse, who loved me and gave himself for me. See, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for it is righteousness come by the law. Then Christ indeed died in vain. See, the law could not do what Jesus did on the cross for us. The law couldn't do that. Okay? We have to understand that. See, living and walking by faith should produce in us an overwhelming desire to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit has revealed to us as God's good works for us. Yes, we're to be doing good works, but they should be motivated by the love of God in our lives. Ephesians 2.10, hopefully I quote it right because it wasn't one of the scriptures I had written down. By grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself, but it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should be boast. There are good works that God has before ordained that we should walk in. But it won't happen if we're walking in the flesh. Okay? And so if you are struggling in your flesh to fulfill or be obedient to the word of God, folks, that reveals that you're operating in the flesh. That's really what it reveals. You're operating to fulfill your own desire, your own goals. And it's selfishness. Selfishness. But if you are submitting to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. But when, you, when, when a selfless person is, is, is confronted with the wrongs they do, you know what they do? Oh, Lord, forgive me. And they get it right. You know what a selfish person does? Well, how dare you tell me about that? Well, I know what you did. See, there's a big difference, isn't there? 
between someone who's operating in the love of God and someone who is not. But if you are submitting to the guidance of the Holy Spirit out of your love for God and your fellow man, then you're operating in the work of the Spirit. And that's true. You're not going to have a life of disobedience. You're going to have a life full of obedience toward God. Yes, there are going to be mistakes because we're human beings. But you're going to see that pattern of overall love of God. See, it reveals that godly character that the Holy Spirit is working out in your life since the day you were saved. Those attitudes. And he's beginning to show you how salty and how much light you are, you have. You'll be able to say, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 3, where it says, But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you, or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self. Otherwise, Paul says, it doesn't matter what you say about me. What does God say about me? Now, God can use people. And many times, God has used people I really don't like to point out flaws in my life. You know what? Usually, they're pretty, they're pretty accurate because they don't hold back. They'll be honest with you because it hurts. And they want it to hurt because they don't like you. <laughs> but examine your life. Is, is it what they said true? If it is, get it right. Get it right. See, the Holy Spirit is the one that should be leading us. The Holy Spirit does not lead us to be God's, my wife will get a kid out of this, to be God's little helper. Okay? Um, There's a comedian who, you know, if you ever saw it, I don't remember this guy's name, but um, he said that he'd drive in a car and his wife right in her seat telling him every, turn right, oh, you didn't turn this. She was his little helper in the car. Okay, God doesn't need you and I to be God's little helper to other Christians. That's what the Holy Spirit's job is. Okay, we need to be encouragers to them when they fall, when they make mistakes. We need to be able to pick them up and hope that they'll do the same for us when we fall and make mistakes. See, our job. And the body of Christ is simply to hold fast to the head that is Christ. And if we all did that, then you know what? The divisions, the frustrations, the disruptions, they'd all disappear. They would. They would. Now, let me, let me encourage you. I, I like what you know, Al Mack said in the class up there, you know, with, with the search committee, that they, were, they had a bond. They had a unity. That's the way it's supposed to be, folks. They could disagree about things, but yet in love talk about it and discuss it. That's what should be taking place in the church. We're not always going to agree. Unity doesn't mean we all agree 100%. Unity means that we are coming together under Christ as the head, and we're discussing things, and when the decision's made, we can all agree upon that decision, whether we totally agree on it or not. Otherwise, we, one gives up their liberty. Because the greater good is being accomplished in the Spirit of God. That's, that's the unity. Not, well, they made the decision. Yeah, they outvoted me. Well, let me tell you, we, and all you hear is disruption from that person that didn't get their way. What you see there is selfishness. Somebody living in the flesh. And really, you should kind of lightly rebuke them, saying, hey, we don't want that here. That's what should take place. In love, because it's always to restore somebody. Verse 20, 
Matthew 5, Jesus here is given the final warning to the followers of Christ. Okay? He says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, this is a warning, folks. If your life is always full of fleshly things, living by the flesh, you really need to say, Lord, am I a child of God? Because we know Jesus said this. He says, in no case will you enter the kingdom of heaven. That means in no case they weren't saved. Many of the scribes and Pharisees that Jesus confronted were not saved, did not go to heaven unless they repented later on after his resurrection. This is the warning. Paul in Philippians 3, 2-3 and 8-11 said this. And he's addressing to those that want to cling to the works of the flesh. And he's giving this warning. He says, beware of dogs. In case you want to know, a dog in Scripture is considered one of the most unworthy animals. Okay, I just want you to know that. I love, I love my dog that I have. <laughs> but they, they are. Because of what they dogs do. You know, eat their own vomit and do all that kind of stuff. But that's the picture we have of sin. But anyway, beware the dogs. Beware the evil workers. Beware the, the concision. That's those that are involved in all the mutilations and things that take place of the body. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Oh, if that could be true. But I pray that we are growing in that in Christ. Okay? Now we'll skip to verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, my own selfishness, my own traditions and beliefs that cause problems, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. You see what? Paul is saying to the, to the Philippians, the problem with so many Christians today is they haven't counted everything that they have as a loss to Christ. They think their house is theirs, their car is theirs, their job is theirs. They think they've attained all these things, and the truth is they haven't. God gave them to them, and God can take them away. If you count things as loss and something happens, you're not going to be necessarily angry about it. I won't say you won't be upset. If someone's house burns down, yeah, it's going to be upsetting. But you have an understanding that, well, God, this was yours. I'm just grateful, hopefully, that everyone came out alive. 
You know, or we have, a, we have a different attitude when those things become damaged. We do. I've always asked. We've several accidents. Even my, my kids, you know, driving, got accidents in cars. And my first, are you guys okay? I don't care about the car. Are you okay? See, we, we have the right priorities, the right perspective. And Paul lays that out. Three things, and I'm going to close with this. Verse 10 of our text that we just read in uh, Philippians 3. That, what did Paul want? That I may what? Know him. Who's that? Know Christ. Paul wanted to know Christ above all things in his life. Is that your attitude? Well, if your attitude is, are being, is being directed by the Holy Spirit through the Beatitudes we just talked about, that will be your attitude, to know Christ. Second, and the power of his resurrection. You know you're saved. You know God has done a work in your life, and you're holding on to that by faith. And God's love is being, flown, is being shown through you. But here's one that a lot of times we don't want to deal with. The fellowship of his sufferings. Well, what sufferings did Christ have to endure? I'm going to tell you a whole lot more than we'll ever have to endure. But are we willing to endure suffering for Christ? Are we able to, willing to endure those hardships? Many of which we call it ourselves. And we maybe want to blame somebody else. But we're not talking about those sufferings. We're talking about sufferings because I'm a Christian and I'm standing up for God's word. See, Paul understood how frustrating it was to try to please God according to the works of the flesh. He, after all, he tried to do that in his life, and it didn't work. And he is urging fellow believers to get to the point in their walk with God where they can simply want to know Christ and the fellowship of his sufferings. And you know what? All the other issues won't make, won't make a difference to you. They won't make a difference. And so is that the point? Is that where you're at in your life with Christ? Just to know Him and the fellowship of His sufferings? I think for many Christians, myself included, we have a long ways to go. But if we're allowing Christ, the Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit in us to do what He needs to do, and we're obedient to it, He'll lead us there. He'll lead us there. Let's stand and pray. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, visit our website at gbcak.org.